This is Flyperbole with Steve Jacot and Craig Forsyth. Hello, people of Philadelphia, and welcome back to Flyperbole Under Quarantine, the fuck show, if you will. What might be the last Flyperbole Under Quarantine ever? We'll see. I'm hoping it is, selfishly, uh, just because then we can get back to normal, doing hockey stuff and such, and that'll be much better. But we shall see. Hopefully, the NHL playoffs are starting up soon, and that will, you know, solve all our problems and uh, make life slightly more tolerable. But as we said, we shall see. A little better. Craig, how's it going today, pal? I mean, today it's going going well steve and i'm with you that uh yeah this could be the last fuck we put out there and that would be a good thing because we've been doing these for a couple of years now uh since the quarantine started and also because that means the preseason is right around the corner or the return to play uh whatever you want to call it and then it should just be the rest of the regular season and then things are kind of getting back to normal at least on the uh, nhl front so yeah this might be it this might be the last one so we'll see Hopefully there's no stoppage later in the summer, but uh, I'm hoping this is the last fuck we got to put out there. <laughs> the last fuck we got to give, you know? <laughs> the last fuck we got to give. That was all right. Yeah, it was an hour. I like it. It was good. Yes, but if you're not familiar with Fly Purple, <laughs> under quarantine, and if you're listening to it, welcome. But uh, we talk about one Flyers topic for the entire show, however long that may be. And tonight we are taking another listener suggestion here. And who is the listener mm-hmm. that suggested this one tonight, Craig? Good friend of the show, Drew. Uh, Drewski0806. And he gave us two different, uh, pretty much, uh, would-you-rathers related to Flyers history. And said we should, I guess, base that off, make that an idea for the show. And I went through and I picked out a bunch of other, uh, I guess, scenarios, uh, would-you-rathers in Flyers history. And, uh, yeah, we were just going to go through that real quick. But it was Drew's idea. Uh, and I was going to start off with one one of the two he gave us, because uh, I feel like it might be one of the easier ones, uh, just or at least to me it would be. Uh, would you give back Danny Breer's offside goal um, in 2012 against the Penguins that started the comeback in game one? Uh, or would you give back that goal so then Leon Stickle would make the right call on Bob Nystrom's offside goal in game six of the 1980 Stanley Cup final? So would you give back uh, the Breer All-Sides goal to give the Flyers a chance to win game six in the 1980 Stanley Cup final again? Uh, And then to possibly... As fun as that offside goal was, and it was fun because it was hilariously offside. And (laughs) it was just furious about it, as they should have been. But, you know, being on the right side of one of those (laughs) terrible calls uh, was really nice for once. But I would give that up in a heartbeat for the Flyers to have a chance at another actual Stanley Cup championship. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would, too. And again, you know, looking back at how both playoffs played out, uh, Breer's all-side goal was hilarious. And it's something that you can just say that, you know, will piss off Penguins fans for really no good reason, because that postseason run didn't mean shit. But uh, I would definitely just give up that goal because they didn't get they lost the Devils in the next round. And I would take a chance at 
like Drew laid out, winning a possible third cup and also shave off a couple years of the drought uh, talk a little bit. That wouldn't really help me uh, a lot because I would still, yeah, we still haven't seen a cup, uh, Steve, but it would help the argument of Jesus Christ has been forever since he won a Stanley Cup. So I say you give back that for your goal just to give them a chance of possibly winning in 1980. So, uh, you know, the Flyers probably lose at home in Game 7 in a really painful fashion, but that would be, you know, give back that chance to take a shot at it. Uh, I, what I was going to, I had another would you rather based off of that one question, Steve, and it was, would you give back the Flyers win over the Penguins in the 2012 playoffs to have them beat the Penguins in the 2009 playoffs? And I think, I don't, I think I would trade that in. Oh yeah. For a couple of reasons. Yeah. Again, it, it's just uh, given where the positioning, right? Because the 2009 playoffs, the Flyers were just that close to the cup and hoisting and <laughs> having a championship. Whereas in 2012, that was the first round. It was a lot of fun. But it was the first round, oh, and then the yeah, Flyers yeah. were exhausted for the Devils, and they sucked against the Devils. Yeah, well, two, yeah, two thousand nine too would have been they would have kept the uh, the Penguins from winning the Cup that year too, because the Penguins they beat the Flyers that year, then they beat the Caps, and then they beat the Hurricanes before they beat the Red Wings in the Cup. Uh, I think the Flyers could have beaten the Flyers had beaten the Caps the year before, uh, and then the Hurricanes they were kind of that was like a miracle for them. They're the Six seed, and they beat the Devils and Bruins in dramatic fashion in Game Sevens. So that's a team I think the Flyers could have beaten. Like that could have been other Canadians in the Stanley Cup or in the Eastern Conference Finals. So I think uh, I'd give back that 2012 win to see what the Flyers could do in 2009. They might lose in the Stanley Cup Final, or they might lose in the second round to the Caps. But if it means the Penguins aren't winning the Cup and the Flyers have a chance, I'm, I think I'm for it. So <laughs> that was the that was one I got. Uh, based off of Drew's, uh, so you're saying you're saying uh, give up the 2012 point too? Yeah, I think so. I mean, this one's yeah. more biased just because we know how 2012 ended, but also given the fact exactly. that yeah, the Penguins true. would go on to win a championship, yeah, I, I I would rather go with a chance at 09. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the second one Drew gave us was: Would you give up the Leclerc goal, the John Leclerc goal against Buffalo? In game two of the 2000 uh, Eastern Conference quarterfinals, the puck that went through the net and helped the Flyers win that game two and all playing the series. And then they went on to beat the Penguins in the second round, the one where Keith Graham was scoring five overtime goals to kind of pivot the series. And then they lost to the Devils in seven games in the Eastern Conference final. That was the Lindros hit and everything that came with that. Um, so would you give up the Flyers getting the benefit of the doubt on that Leclerc goal? Um, if it meant that Michael Layton made a save on Patrick Kane's shot in 2010. So wait, this is a two for one here. Like we have to. So it's it's a uh, it's pretty much. Would you give up the Leclerc goal, which, as um, Drew pointed out, would mean that if the Flyers, you know, they ended up losing that series to the Sabers, or he changed the butterfly effect or whatever, you're not going to get that primo five overtime goal now. And you may also not know what happens or how maybe the Lindros side isn't close there either, but. Would you give up that goal that the Flyers got gifted back in 2000 so Leighton could make a save on Kane, uh, Kane in uh, 2010, if that makes sense? Um, I'm saying, like there's again, a lot of I'm saying in this one. It's a couple threads. Yeah, it's pretty much, I, I think the big question was, would you trade 
Primo's five overtime goal for a chance to see what happens in that flyer series if uh, Layton makes a save. I think that's pretty much what it comes down to. Because looking back at the goal, I mean, we've talked about the goal before. It was the goal that went inside the, the net. They did all the replays and the reviews, and it's still deemed a good goal. But the Flyers won that game two to one. Shouldn't have stood as a goal at all. They could have. Um, I think they left Philly up two nothing that series, and then they ultimately won in five games. But that's a different series. They don't win that series, or they lose in Pittsburgh because that that Pittsburgh series they were off to a pretty shaky start too. So they could have. Um, yeah, it's pretty much just the idea of. Would you give back that Leclerc goal? Like, it, there there are a lot of threats, but I think the big thing is just the overtime goal, the the primo goal for a chance to for the Flyers to win twenty ten again. Well, if it's the straight up Leclerc yeah, goal, think... that's a no brainer for me. Because as hilarious yeah. as the the through the side of the net goal is to me, and it, it is one <laughs> of my all time funniest Flyers moments. It's up there with like you know half the shit Scott. I Hart, do enjoy Scott it. It's one of my favorites. But. <laughs> yeah. If it's that straight up for the Michael Layton, uh, you know, Patrick Kane goal, yeah, I mean, that's that's a no-brainer to me. I want the Flyers to get a chance to win that cup to come back in that series. Although I I have my doubts whether the Flyers could win that game regardless because they really were at the end of their rope, especially, you know, Chris Pronger, yeah. who had played just so many minutes in that series already and looked gassed. But, yeah, if you're talking it's the straight-up Leclerc goal, that's a no-brainer. Uh, Leclerc goal and Primo, the five overtime, which is my favorite Flyers Whoa. goal of all time, yeah. all time. That's a little more interesting to me. That's a little tougher. Uh, I think I'm still, as much as I love that 5-0-T goal and it being my f- favorite Flyers memory, I I still think I would go towards the Flyers winning that, getting a chance to win that cup. I, I agree. What's yeah, that's where I what too. specifically still bugs me about the Leighton goal is just how shitty it is. It's just such a a piss poor goal, a goal that doesn't make sense, and the whole delayed reaction, the fact that the only person who realized it went in was Kane, and him celebrating before it, it's just it's all just terrible. I would love to erase it. I would do many things to erase that memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I would too, and. Uh... Because, again, looking back on it, the, the Primo goal is great, and I love the Primo goal. And it's one of those things that as Flyers fans you hang your hat on. But I, I only see some cups here. Again, we're, we're getting older. We haven't seen a cup yet. And uh, all these memories are nice. But if it means a chance to get that close to winning at all, I think I'm going to I'm gonna have to trade it in. Um, so that's that's where I'm, well, that's where I'm leaning on this one. Uh, I, do, I went a little bit off this path, too. Uh, with the primo overtime goal, and it was something I think I threw out threw out to you when I was uh, pitching this idea. Uh, would you give up primo's five overtime goal if it means that Scott Stevens hit on Lindros does not happen? And if you think that one's too easy of a choice, I can back it up a little bit further. No, but, that's a tough one too. That's uh, a, definitely a tough one. I yeah, I'm gonna go with getting rid of the the Lindros hit because two factors. Uh, the Flyers were on the verge of getting to the cup and not having that deflating Scott Stevens hit on Lindros completely changes that game. Cause that happened at a point in, game, where, in a game seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it just destroyed that game. Like he just completely blew a hole in that game when he laid that hit on Lindros. It also just was a terrible ending to Eric Lindros's flyers career. And Eric Lindros is my all time favorite flyer. That's just, it's still a devastating thing to me. So yeah, I would do, 
I think there's two things I would love to just undo however possible. And that's the, the latent goal in the Stanley cup final and Eric Lindros is hit from mm-hmm. Scott Stevens. Yeah. Yeah. See, to me, this was one, I think I would give up again. I'll give it the five Oh two goal to see what would happen with Lindros, a healthy Lindros that year. And also if that relationship isn't, you know, destroyed between him and Clark, I assume Lindros is probably there for a couple more years. I would like to see a couple more years of Lindros taking a crack at it in what should pretty much be his prime in Philly. Like, I, I would have liked to see in the Flyers with a couple more competitive teams than in, in that era. So I thought I thought maybe that would be a little bit of uh, an easier choice just because that relationship between Lindros and, Le- and Clark was getting a little uh, shaky beforehand. So I was going to throw out a Primo's five-overtime goal or like whatever the hit was in Nashville that caused him to go into the bathtub in April 1999 and then started the whole relationship. But, yeah, we agree. We agree. No hit on – the Scott Stevens hit on Lindros. Not I mean – not a fan in general, Not a... Eric Lindros is one of my biggest what ifs in Flyers history, just based on yeah. if his career goes completely oh, God, differently yeah. and he doesn't get all those injuries. Like if Casparitis doesn't exist in general and lay those dirty hits on him <laughs> and what a piece of shit player. God damn it. I hate him. Oh, yeah. But yeah. like, yeah, yeah I, I think I would do I would trade most things in Flyers history for a healthy Eric Lindros because that's such a difference maker in Flyers history. I, I I can't think of a what if right now, but whatever the what is to see Lindros and play in this era would be, um, like, would you give up seeing Giroux play in this era to see Lindros play in this era? <laughs> I'm trying to think of a good what if. That well, here's, good. here's my what if for you. And this is oh, one of the biggest ones in Let's Flyers history. It. It's, what if the Flyers don't pull the trigger on the Lindros trade oh, and baby. then instead yeah. they have all the pieces they had and Peter Forsberg. Yeah, Lindros likely goes to the list. Rangers instead this... and the Rangers give up a, you know, yeah. a, a fortune for him and mm-hmm. Peter Forsberg comes up the Flyer. There's also a version of that trade where it was Rod Brindamore instead of Eric Lindros and that makes a huge difference right there because oh, then you God. have a Forsberg-Lindros yeah, team. Yeah, <laughs> which good yeah. lord, yeah, that would be something. Yeah. Uh, and to go, be- oh, wait, you keep going. Well, I'm gonna pull up all the details on that, but I mean, essentially, yeah, I have if, the uh, if, if, yeah. if you have Forsberg instead of uh, instead of Lindros, along with all the pieces they traded, which that's yeah, for the for those of you not familiar with the Eric Lindros trade, which isn't many of you, but um, uh. yeah. It was Lindros, so Philadelphia got Lindros. Uh, the Quebec Nordiques got Forsberg, Chris Simon, Steve Deshane, Mike Ricci, Kerry Huffman, Ron Hextall, a 1993 first that became Jocelyn Tebow, a 1994 first that became Nolan Baumgartner, and $15 million in cash. Uh, so that's what the Flyers gave up to get Lindros. What the Rangers had offered, and they had lost in arbitration, or however the hell went down, uh, the Rangers were going to give the Quebec... <laughs> And I, I would be kind of pissed if I was the Nordiques. Uh, Tony Amante, Alexei Kovalev, John Van Beesbrook, Doug Waite, a 1993 first, which became Nicholas Sundstrom, a 1994 first that became Dan Clochier, and a 1996 first, which became Jeff Brown, who was eventually a bust, and $12 million. I just feel like the names mentioned on the Rangers' end of the deal are more insane to give up than, I mean, like now, Peter Forsberg, you know, but at the time, 
like giving up Amante and Kovalev and Van Beesbrook back then was kind of eh, kind of a little crazy. Doug Waite was a really good player too. A little bit. And Doug Waite too. Yeah, Doug Waite, exactly. So and then and then a bunch of first on top of that. So uh but yeah, to Steve, to your point, uh if they had kept they didn't do the deal. That means the early nineties Flyers have Forsberg, Chris Simon, Steve DeShane, who by the way, if you he's a little bit before our time, or a little before my time, but had 15, 20 goal seasons as a defenseman back then. Uh, Mike Ricci, who was, you know, not Yager, but still an NHL player. Kerry Huffman, same with him. Ron Hextall, an NHL goalie. And then a, a couple younger players, you know, they wouldn't have taken Tebow and Baumgartner like the uh, like the Nordiques did. But you had two younger players to uh, Mark Reck and Brendan Moore, who are already here. That seems like a pretty good fucking team. Seems like a pretty deep team as is, even without Lindros. But like just... Forsberg, Recky, and Brindamore are all, all in the top six. Is I don't know. That's a pretty good <laughs> with Ricci, and uh, yeah, I mean that's just a, that's a pretty good top six. Yeah, right that's there. a good and damn it, team. And also the goaltending, I think, can't be underestimated here because then you have Ron Hextall in there for a couple more years in the Flyers uniform instead of having Tommy Soderstrom and Dominic Roussel in there, <laughs> who were. Hashtag bad. Yeah, it's just fucking terrible at the jobs. And uh, I was trying to look at the defense. I don't, I mean, I Kevin Deneen was also on the team. He was pretty good back then. Uh, he had 35 goals in, yeah, 92, 93. I was looking at the roster back then, the basis off of, uh, I'm glad Gary Galley and Demetrius Gavich were only defensemen. But again, for a team that was supposed to, they were going pretty hard to rebuild in the early part of the 90s. If you had those guys up front, you could probably piece something together and put together. I, I mean that '97 team got to the cup, but that was a lot of that was a top-heavy team. That was, uh, you know, that was a legion of doom. You have a team that's maybe a little bit deeper there that can compete with uh, the Red Wings' depth. Uh, who knows? I don't know. It's uh, this is an interesting one. That, I'd say this I is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, what if in Flyers history, because that's I, such no, a massive really is, trade, yeah. and the fact that Forsberg ended up being such a superstar in this league. I, I, you yeah. know, Forsberg and Lindros are two yeah. of the, the, the better players of that era, if not the best players of that era. And yeah, it's there. It, I mean, they brought very different skills to the table, very different players. And both of them had their injury issues. I don't. Oh yeah. Yeah. Fucking Forsberg's ankles. I, I don't remember. See, I don't remember anything about, I don't know anything about how hyped up Forsberg was. I know Lindros at the time, like at the time, if you were mentioning you're throwing Forsberg in for Lindros, it would kind of feel like, a, you know, one of your top end prospects for a deal for McDavid is what it sounded like at the time of that trade. So, like, at that time, you're kind of like, okay, yeah, don't even think about it. Oh, uh, absolutely. That's what the mean, attitude was. Yeah, time, if he was still hyped up. Like, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, Forsberg, I, I'm sure he was, you know, well looked upon because he was drafted early. and But he wasn't, yeah, he yeah. wasn't looked upon like Lindros was. So, it's just that. It's one of the things in retrospect. Yeah, you would never, you would find another piece to include instead of Peter Forsberg, but because yeah. I think the Flyers never would have given up Forsberg if they had a crystal ball and could have seen what he would become. Right. But yeah, it's, right, right. It, it is a really difficult decision in retrospect because you don't know what would have been a better Flyers team. Ultimately, you don't know who, who would have had more success. Yeah. And I mean, also, you don't know how the Rangers would have done with. Yeah, because they would have had. You can look that. Angle. They would have had Messier and Lindros in their top six. Yeah, and they would have still had. I mean, they would have had Leach too. 
Um, they would be like they and they still would have Richter. Like they still would have. A they lot might have still traded for Gretzky too won. in '97. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that would have been. See, look at that team that won in '94. '94, and they can probably win. They might be able to win another one or two in that window because that was you know that was the team the Flyers beat in the Eastern Conference Final. Yeah, '97. So and hopefully, you know, I guess like. The cheerful way to look at it is you would think that the Rangers, if the Rangers are better in that decade, they would have eaten into some of the success the Devils had. Like they could have, maybe they would have beaten them in 95. But then again, you know, it's the Rangers winning those those times instead of the Devils. But I don't know. I mean, it does, it would change. This is a good one for just the entire league because then the league doesn't get those Red Wings abs rivalries back in the 90s either. I don't think those would have been. Like, you know, Forsberg being a prominent player on the ass was a pretty big part of that. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> he, was, he was involved in a little bit of that stuff. Sackick would have been there, and, you know, they still would have been good. And but Yeah, they still would have Here's the thing, they still do they Wah. compete to the... Well, would they have had Wah? Because are they ready to compete um, at that yeah, point? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. Yeah, and again, yeah. And, like, they aren't... I mean, they aren't who they are without Forsberg or Wah. I don't think they're not even... Yeah, they're they're still good, but they're not two cups in five years or whatever. Like that feels well. I mean, like they kind of need this deal to go. Sackick's still going to be good as hell in that era. There's no doubt about that. Right. But I mean, Colorado went out and made the trade for Patrick Waugh, knowing he was one of the best goalies in the league. And if Colorado's not in that position, maybe he just doesn't go there. Maybe he goes somewhere else. Yeah, and he was pretty. He was pretty good for them <laughs> back in the day. Oh, had some good runs with them. Yeah. So that is, yeah, fuck. I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I guess I, the other question it, it's is, a lot, it's easier to say now. Yeah. The but, other question is, does Peter Forsberg do as much on the ice? Is he as exciting of a presence on the ice for philadelphia flyers fans to make as many people of our era flyers fans because i think if you ask a lot of people Ooh. around our age range oh no if they're is. flyers fans it's, it's and why they're flyers fans what drew them into the game it was the play of eric lindros and eric lindros despite you know what many people of our father's generation might say uh <laughs> he had a very appropriate flyers game where he had that that physicality and he was just a big bulldozer yeah. of a player at times and he could fight and he was the full package. He brought everything to the table where Forsberg was just an unbelievable skill player, but does an unbelievable yeah. skill player, you know, really draw in on Philadelphia as much as say an Eric Lindros does. I think that's a fair question. I don't know if Forsberg would have scrapped enough for Flyers fans. I remember him being physical, like he could stand his own ground. Uh, and he was a pretty big monster when it came to reverse hits. But, like, yeah, the playing style um, and not being North American at the time, yeah, that might uh, that, that might have hurt his stock a little bit. I think that, it worked and, out for, yeah. for, I don't know if it's for the better, but I'm, you know, yeah. it just doesn't feel like it could have worked out any other way, even though it, it, yeah, it definitely could have. Yeah, it worked, worked out well, I mean. I did enjoy Lindros on Flyers when they actually got along. He was good. Uh, and I think it's, you know, I guess the thing too is knowing the Flyers, uh, we're talking about putting this team together and then being patient during a rebuild, um, probably for the first time in their history. So I guess like we're talking about 
Forsberg being part of a successful team out in Colorado, but if they were here for the mid-90s and that team doesn't compete or come close to winning again, uh, in the mid-90s, Clark's not going to be patient with that. Like, you could have blown up that. They could have blown up that team with Forsberg before the stuff with Lindros would have gone down on a separate timeline, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like he could have blown up that Forsberg team before 2000, before shit went down with Lindros in Philly. Uh, if, like, you were to work up this timeline and things didn't go as planned, which I don't think shit went as planned when Lindros was here. <laughs> I feel like a lot of big things happened that, like, 97 and 2000 should have been times the Flyers were just like competing in the cup and they didn't get a, a single like cup win at either of those times. Not like a they didn't win a game in the Stanley Cup, not just yeah. they didn't even get there both times, but yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, <laughs> would I rather I, I'll just uh, stick with having I, Lindros because he was my favorite player, but man, I if I could look in on the alternate timeline on the alternate universe where the Flyers had Peter Forsberg and it was Forsberg versus Lindros every year when they were Flyers Rangers. Like that's, that's a crazy. Oh, man. oh God. Yeah. Cause the big thing no, to nice. remember folks is Lindros did not want to play for the Quebec Nordiques. He was not going to play for them. And the Flyers and the Rangers both wanted them. It was down to those two teams. So there's really, I mean, I guess there's a universe where Lindros says, yeah, I'll play for the Nordiques, but who gives a shit about that universe? Cause who gives a shit about the Nordiques? <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of salty people in Quebec about to fill in our mentions right now. <laughs> oh, it'll all be we it'll care. all be in French, am I right? So I won't even be able to read it. <laughs> I only speak English. <laughs> Chump. That's right. Oh my god. Rock flag and eagle. Baby. But that's I would argue that might be the biggest what if in Flyers history, right there. Yeah, that is. I got another one for you though of a, a similar ilk here, that. and that would be Keith Primo. Or Rod Brindamore. What if the Flyers don't make that Primo trade and they hold on to Rod the Bod? Because as we know, Primo will go on to be a very great captain for the Flyers in a short period of time, uh, be a playoff hero, but never win that cup for the Flyers. And Rod the Bod would end up being the greatest captain in Carolina Hurricanes history, winning them their cup. And now they're head coach. And played. Yeah. And he made like when they were winning when they won the cup i think he was playing like 26 minutes a night like we talked about the other day the guy was a freak uh so he pretty much just played like a like a more successful version of primo's like style hockey pretty much like he was just a workhorse all over the ice and i think produced more too so like he fuck uh i think i i think i would honestly i don't know like there's a lot of memories with primo too but i don't know like that, I think if they do have Brynmore there, because they Brynmore played for longer than Primo too, so I don't know if you had that same role in 06-07 That kind of, you know, that kind of bleeds into what the hell does post that season look like for the Flyers if Brynmore's here to kind of. So Brynmore would go on them... in 01. He would put up uh, 2001. He put up 56 points. Uh, 0102 55 points, 0203 37, 0304 38. So he looked like he was kind of on tail end for a few years. But then 0506 70 points, 0607 82 points, which is crazy. He's 36 years old and he puts up 82 points. I don't think anybody saw that happening. That was kind of nuts. 51 51 19. Like he, he, for a few years, like, Primo was the obvious, like, obvious choice right but then 
Rod the yeah. Rod comes out of the the lockout and comes yeah, out no flying. For a puts up years. those monster seasons. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. And again, like I'm thinking of Primo. I'm thinking of like we talked about ten times already that five oh two goal. And if we're already removing that part of it, <laughs> that uh, game time goal against the Lightning, that shorthanded goal against the Lightning in like game four. Uh, I don't. I, this is a good one, but I'm gonna say. I mean, I'd just like to see what it would have been like with Brindamore. Yeah. I don't know that. I don't know how that 2004 run would have looked, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Cause the, I don't know, though, because the times he was better. Yeah. The times he was better, too. Like, they didn't match up when the Flyers were really. We would have made the Flyers better then, but I don't know if it would have mattered. Like, 05, 06, they lose in the first round. 06, 07, it's the worst year of our lives. Like, I don't think he's. Him being here instead of Primo, I don't think that makes that big of a difference. I'm fine with Primo being here. I'll stay. I'll stay, go with that. I'm like I'm not getting out of my comfort zone. <laughs> I'm not gonna think about it too much. I'm gonna go with Primo. I guess the thing is also with, what are you with Primo outside of 0304 never put up. Well, he has two runs where he put up a, a decent amount of playoff points, right? Uh, Primo's got 99 yeah. to 2000 where he scored 13 points, and 0304 where he scores 16 points. So he's got two good mm-hmm. runs. And he didn't really do too much in the the runs in between there. Uh, whereas Rod the Bod is kind of similar where he's got, well, he's got a couple more. He's a 97 He's one. got 96-97, uh, 21 points. Great run. Uh, 0-1-0-2 had 12 points in 23 games. Eh. And then 0-5-0-6, he had 18 points in 25 games. But that was when they, they won the cup. Yeah. Yeah, so... Obviously, you know, it works yes. out well for the Hurricanes eventually, but again, for a couple of years, it did not look that great for them on that side of the trade. And no. like this Primo probably still gets traded somewhere because uh, he, he never quite hit the point that they, they wanted in Carolina as far as him being, yeah. you know, a real star down there. I mean... He had two straight seasons before he got tried to, traded to the Flyers. He had a 63-point season and a 62-point season. So, But he, I, I think they wanted him to be a superstar down there, and he didn't reach that level. And Brindamore ended up just being a solid captain. I, I don't know. I kind of want to say... <laughs> I kind of want to say I'll... I, I want to roll with Brindamore here, but, man, Primo's got some of my favorite Flyers moments. It's... Yeah, I mean, that's a difficult thing about that one is I feel like it's just Primo, like, I would trade back Brennamore for the time he was, like, I'd, I'd trade him back and forth for the timelines where they were better at. Like, I feel like Brennamore is better in the time when the Flyers didn't need him to be better. Like, he said he was dipping out before the lockout, and that's when Primo was putting up all these fucking monster goals in that postseason run. And then after the lockout, that's when Brennamore took off and Primo started to decline. So, like, it's there's... An obvious point where you want either one team, but I can't, I can't go back and say definitively I'd rather. I don't know. They both are. They were both pretty likable players here. <laughs> it's kind of hard to pick between the two, but I think uh, I think I'm fine with this timeline. All right, so you're gonna stick with uh, Keith Primo here. I think so. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I. It's the the hard part. <laughs> stop laughing. The hard part is just because. Primo's got those indelible Flyers memories, whereas Brendamore's 
remembered more for just being the hard-nosed, tough player, whereas Primo's got one of the biggest goals in Flyers history with the 5 OT goal, and mm-hmm. he also, uh, you know, has those those heroic moments in the Lightning series. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not a... Like, we did run out the five overtime a bunch, though. So, I mean, we got to pretend like... We, we do care about the Primo goal. To it all just comes down to Primo. This, this entire podcast yeah. is just about... It's what pretty much what it's... Yeah, keep Primo just, you know, a little bit better luck health-wise. What are, we, what are we talking about here? What are we looking at? Big centers in um, Philadelphia, no luck health. Oh, God. Yeah. Which, uh, actually, I do not have another would you rather based off of. I don't have another would you rather based off of Lindros or Primo, but I was going to give you one because I think it's a little bit interesting because we do talk about this trade a little bit. Not related to anything else we've been talking about, but might uh, start the next string of uh, questions here. Would you, um, would you go back and prevent the Bobrowski trade if it meant there is no, um, Sean Couturier here at all. So where I'm getting at with this was when we had Charlie on a couple of weeks ago, I believe he said that, it, you know, part of the thing was Bravowski no, said that he didn't really want to start after they brought in Briskalov. So bringing in Briskalov meant the relieving of the cap, which led to the Richards and Carter trades. So if they had just let Bob play it out, they didn't go out and get Brzezgalov, which then kind of forced the Flyers' hand to trade Bobrovsky. And if they didn't go out and sign Brzezgalov, they wouldn't have made the Richardson-Carter deal, and the Flyers got Couturier back in the Carter deal. And knowing how well Couturier has played over his NHL career, would you go back in time and let the Flyers give Brzezgalov a bigger window to see what he could do in 2012, 2013, 14, 15 with a semi-put-together Flyers team? Or would you rather have this timeline where we have Couturier and you know how well he's been playing now. And we think we have the answer in that with Carter Hart. All right. So. <laughs> so do you want me to run through it again? No, I, I, I know. You got I'm enough. just thinking right. it through. That's all. It's so. Oh, yeah, I got you. I'll, if you want me to. No, no, no. I, uh... Listen, I'm just formulating my thoughts. You're jumping all over it. I'm just formulating oh, yeah, I got my you. thoughts, bro. I'm sorry. Come I'm on. not. Uh, yeah, Come yeah, on, yeah. I know. I'm not used to talking to people right oh, now. Oh, my yeah, God. Uh, so. <laughs> The difficult thing here, obviously, is that Sean Couture is an amazing player, uh, the actual most underrated player in the league with uh, no apologies to Alexander Barkov. Legitimately, yeah, absolutely, it might actually be the most underrated player in the league. It's kind of insane at this point, but yeah, keep going. <laughs> Do I want to give that away? But I really do think the Bobrovsky trade is complete bullshit, just a... A complete that whole sequence of events is a complete sham, just ridiculous. I really want to see the alternate universe where the Flyers let Bobrovsky develop, where they hold on to Richards and Carter, keep that team intact, and see what they can do. I really, I've been fascinated by this since it happened. I've wanted to say, you know what? I am going to go with holding on to Bobrovsky and not making that Carter trade, not making the Richards trade and not getting all those great players that we've seen as a result. I will say, uh, cause he did win a couple of Vesnas here, uh, in the meantime, after getting traded from Philly. And I think the Philly teams, if they had, if they didn't have to do all that roster juggling and they did keep Bob and Richards and Carter, I think they could, uh, 
I think they could have come close and done it, uh, maybe in that from like 2011 to 2013, uh, 14. This for me is just, it's not really fair because of the hindsight, because now I know that the players have heart. Um, and I, I think, I will be saying this is Sean Curry wasn't the flyer. I think having a shutdown center that is able to produce like a high end talent and also take out another opponent's top star, I think is what you need to win a Stanley Cup this day. Oh, and like today's league. Um, you need goalies, but I feel like if you go back and you look at Taves, you look at Kopitar, you look at Bergeron, you look at Ryan O'Reilly, all these teams have amazing goaltending and then a player like that. Um, so, and yeah, I guess Borowski, you know, he is an amazing goalie, but I feel like it's kind of harder to find a player like Tori and lock him down. And sometimes you don't need elite goaltending if you have these types of players helping you out along the way. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know, the Borowski trade, the whole entire handling of Borowski was wrong. Uh, but... I don't know. Again, like looking at those teams, I'm trying to think of on defense, they would have lost Pronger over those years too. And then the defense would have been kind of sus. I mean, the defense was suspect for a bunch of years there anyways, even without uh, the Bob Richards and Carter deals. But like, I, like, I don't know if Bob's goaltending is enough to cover the defense and make it turn into anything tangible, if that makes sense. It's a 2014-15. Like the and the Flyers, the Richards deal too was a pretty long one, a really painful one. That I think the I think the Kings still were on the books for it this year. Like I think it was still a cap hit from this year, and he hasn't been a part of the Kings organization for four years now. And that was you know the Flyers traded him over nine years ago. So that that contract could have became a big issue. It uh, could have. Didn't ship but it out, but do the Flyers handle the Richards situation better than the Kings do though? you know, was saying that the contract needed to be avoided and he wasn't really looking for a way to, I guess, kind of help Richards with the issue. Uh, you know, I would say, yeah, if he was here, that would be him. Holmgren would have definitely helped. I think for Holmgren's faults, like, I, I do I'm think he would have yeah. handled I'm that better Clark, like, but than Holmgren Lombardi did. did seem yeah. to have, I agree. Yeah, Holmgren seemed to actually, like, it seems like Holmgren has a heart. I know that sounds like a weird thing to say, but it seems like he is very interested. Like, I feel like that shit happened with Richards. I feel like, I don't even know if that kind of shit would have gotten to light, like, seen the day of light. I feel like he would have figured out a way to help Mike Richards, like, with that shit before, like, dragging him through the mud to try and figure out a way to get a cheap, you know, cap, save some money on the cap space. I feel like, it was the, Holmgren was the guy that cried after he made the trades. You know what I mean? Like, he seemed very invested in his players and he hated i think he would have tried to help reach out there yeah but, yeah I, I do too uh, but it's that's that's a, a lot of cans of worms i've opened up here there are worms all over of, the yeah, floor there's a lot going on it's it's, <laughs> it's a lot not, it's a lot you start wondering what factors you're making the cans of worms. At, at the base uh, of this at the base of this it's do you want to keep that core together and go for it with Bobrovsky, or do you want to Ford. go with the course we've had and katorie voracek you know Carter Hart. It's it, it's difficult, but yeah, I well, really I, do I think I that thinking, team had a chance I, to win at that time. So 
and I vehemently believed this for years. So I, I think I would go yeah. with Bobrovsky and, and keeping him intact and, and rolling yeah. with it with that team. You know what? You, you have persuaded me because going back and thinking about how good the, those 2010, 11 flowers were like the first 50 games, oh man, like they could have another year or two of that. I think they could have actually done it. So I, I guess I will go back and do this. I'll say, uh, I, I wish that the Bobrowski trade never happened. The handling of Bobrowski in that series uh, in 2011, and the, the trades of, you know, the get prison, everybody, I feel like it, I'd rather have seen Bobrowski and company if they had kept the team together. That team was pretty fucking good. Like, they were on path to win the President's Trophy that year and then decided to fuck around at the end of the season. But that team was, they were pretty loaded. Um, all right, so going off of that one, do you have any, uh, did you have anyone that live in there? I think I'm pretty good. You, you I've a said a lot scenarios. on that one, so yeah, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot on that one. Um, going back and looking at, so we're looking at Bob in 2011. So I guess, uh, okay, so Laviolette. I guess that was the next one, but this one is not really that big of a. Uh... Would you fire Laviolette after the 2013 season or wait until after the 2013-14 season if you could? So instead of firing him three games in the 2013-14, would you fire him the summer before? So you get a new coach in there that can actually run their camp and the Flyers might come out a little bit better. And maybe that team that ultimately ended up pushing the team that went to the Stanley Cup finals having games, maybe that team has their shit a little bit together, you know, a little more together at the beginning of the season. Maybe that becomes something different. Or if you think they wait until after the 2013-14 season, do you think Lager that's here for longer? Do you think some of the issues that came in front of the organization back then, like just were held off for a couple more years? And do you think this timeline's a little further back? Um, where do you think the way they handled it was right <laughs> in 2013? So I guess like which this is the only one I could think of in the segue off that was uh, do you think the Flyers should have fired Laviolette earlier or later in the process? Oh, I think it should have been 20... I 100% yeah, think it should have been earlier gonna... because all the rumors were that they he was on the chopping block anyway. So why not just pull yeah, the trigger and do a proper coaching search during the summer? It's This one's yeah. driven me nuts forever. It never made sense how they handled this one. Firing him three games in really was just a disaster. Like the last, like Paul Holmgren, well, not the last Paul Holmgren disaster. His name is Andrew McDonald. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, no, I agree. Cause I think, and, and to go along with that too, uh, Le Cavier, which we've talked about a bunch uh, during these talks, so he, the only reason why he signed here apparently was to be a part of Lagolette system. And, I mean, if he's fired in 2013, Cavier's not coming here. Um, also, if he gets fired after 2013, that might mean, like you were just saying with the AMAC deal, that might mean that Holmgren's also, Holmgren's also on the way out. And then the AMAC deal and signing never come, never happen, never take place. Uh, so I'm saying before, or yeah, I'm saying before the 2013-14 season, um, just because I think it would have sped up this process altogether. And I think Ruby behind the bench was a little bit of a downtime during this franchise and didn't really lead the shit. Like it wasn't a, it was just 2014-15. We win that season. No, it's going to be a bad season. And I mean, we got Ivan Provorov out of it, but there was, it didn't feel like there's too much building outside of that. Especially like now looking at the team five years later. Yeah. Um, all right. Other ones, other ones. So I got one for you. 
Lay it on me. Would you rather? Let's get let's get in there. You're you're eliminating one move here, okay? Would you rather? Oh shit. Eliminate the JVR for Luke Shen trade, or <laughs> eliminate the acquisition of Andrew McDonald. You can only get rid of one. Uh, I say JVR for Shen trade. Uh, because I mean, I would like to see after they do that deal, the offense was never the same and the Flyers didn't. Luke Shen was an equivalent on defense to what JVR is up front. And the whole idea of as you made those Richard Jakar trades was it was going to be Drew and JVR's team. So then you had one season of that where the team made the second round and both players were pretty you know, pretty useful during those runs. Uh so I would have liked to have seen we can talk about how like bad these last couple of years have been or like the years after those big trades happened. But another big trade along with that uh Shen JVR one was trading Hardnell Brownberger. So I think if those teams had Giroux, Hardnell, um, and JVR in those squads too, like those are two other pretty good forwards up front. Um and the big problem with those early like twenty ten Flyers teams were after that 2011 run, like those teams just didn't have depth up front. It was all like Michael Raffles on the top line during that 2014-15 season. So I'll go with, I'm going to say the Luke Shen JVR one. Because that was just, a, that was like an excess of talent for no, like no reason. That was, you just lost the top six forward for nothing. I was expecting a little more pushback. Uh, I, I completely agree with you. I, I think JVR for Luke Shen is one of the, the great, shitty trades in flyers history never made sense to me like at least with richards and carter they're both really good trades like paul holmgren got the best value he could have gotten for those guys with jvr trading him straight up for luke shen was insane it made zero sense oh yeah no it was it was bonkers and i remember at the time like i was like no that makes sense (laughs) it was like and they wanted a defenseman who's a shutdown guy. They're giving away one of the forwards. It makes one for one makes a lot of sense. And then, man, watching Luke Shen every night, you're like, all right, this doesn't make this doesn't make any sense at all. I don't know what the fuck the home was thinking, but yeah, no, I, I agree with you. That's man, that trade is looking back on it, it was just fucking terrible. And like to think that also delved from the fact that the Flyers didn't get the the lucky bounce in 2007. Like they went from first overall to second. Get JVR and that led to JVR for Luke Shen. So I feel like that's a very just like shit that's happened with the Flyers over the years. It's like one bad break just leads to a lot of like two or three terrible decisions, and then you're just in the world of pain. That's pretty much like the Flyers in the mid 2010s, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, okay, what else here? Uh, Drew, good. I, I got another Drew one. I don't know if uh, the ball is pronger. Would you? Give back Drew's shift if it meant that Trung, uh, Pronger's face wasn't smashed in by the Grabowski stick, which was the the play that ended his career pretty much. He came back and played five games after that, but that then he retired at the end of the season. Um, if he did, if he doesn't take that stick to the face, so I don't know how much longer he has left to play. He might have another year left to him. Would you give back uh, Drew's opening two shifts against the Penguins where he knocked down Crosby and then he scored? Would you give that back? For another year or two of Pronger on those teams. Not a big one, 
not one of the biggest like what ifs out there, which is another or would you rather, but well again you're you're asking if you want to give up one of the great moments in Flyers recent Flyers history. For, yeah, for a couple more swings. <laughs> and I think I do. I think I, I definitely do because Chris Pronger is one of those guys that you know really was a perfect flyer and not having that kind of defenseman on the team really hurt that team and having a couple more years of prime pronger really would have helped that team out a ton not prime pronger but you know healthy pronger really it it was a difference maker no matter what because even in his older age he was he had learned enough he was crafty enough to to still get around and be a really, really good defenseman. And you still had Kimo Timonen, so you would have had mm-hmm. still a solid top four on defense. And also, to go back, and I didn't realize this when I asked it, to go back to the last point, too. Uh, if Pronger doesn't get hurt in 2011, like the beginning part of 2011-2012, I don't know if they'd make that trade in the summer for Luke Shen, which would mean that you have Pronger and JVR on the team still, too, for another two or I'd, I assume he wouldn't that, that was the whole thing with Luke Shen was they were trying to go out and get that big shutdown guy toughen up their defense so they made the Shen trade and then they threw out the uh, offer sheet for for Weber but like yeah if Pronger is healthy I don't but like that's just not happening like they are I, I think they're they would keep that 2011 team 12 team together and they would be a little bit better on defense and probably better up front and then Take a couple swings and see what happens. But that's a uh, that was a lighter one. The um, but it is uh, you know that Drew moment. I mean that's probably the highlight of Drew's career. Yeah, that uh, I'd say the shift against Crosby back then. I don't know that or the goal in 2010. Uh, it's those and the the stadium series goal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I mean that, yeah, that was a great goal. It was just uh. She didn't mean shit. <laughs> I mean, you a, can also argue the was, other ones really didn't ultimately because they didn't win. Ultimately, mean anything? Yeah, that's true. I don't know. It's like that's it's, why. it's it's a that's cynical way to look at stuff. it, but it's it, oh no, it's all that's unfortunately all these would you like rather's are just uh yeah, I'd get back one of the greatest moments in like viewing sports history to maybe win a Stanley Cup. Well, <laughs> that's and what it's all sad these that ones are. it's sad that a lot of these come down to. Also, would you rather see this guy that you really liked healthy for more or give up some of your favorite moments in yeah. team history? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because fucking, yeah, we probably wouldn't been asking all these questions with the healthy Lindros or Primo or, yeah. So on the, uh, the healthy Pronger note, a another big recent would you rather, uh, would you rather have had Shea Weber sign here and not have the Predators match and give up the, or would you, and give up the draft picks or have what we have now? Because my understanding is the Flyers would have had to give up four first round draft picks, right? Yeah. And that would be the so next I'd four rather... years. And this is, so Shea Weber signs that contract, that offer sheet in 20, before 2012 13, right? So the, the Flyers would have had to give up the first round picks. Marin. So Marin, Sanheim, Provorov, and the germ. The germ, yeah. So no. Like, I mean, absolutely not. Because Weber, I don't think, would have put this team over the top. Because all of the cap implications that would have come with him actually signing here, too. 
It's interesting Which though because Weber for a couple of years looked like a no chance in hell would I have done that, but he's actually been really good with the Canadiens the last like year or two. Yeah, and that's but and like that's fine and everything. I I I mean, the thing about that signing when it was made, it was very exciting. Number one, as a Flyers fan, to wake oh, up yeah. and like yeah, wake up in the morning and go, uh, Paul Holmgren did what? Because nobody signs offer sheets in the NHL. It's a boring ass league where people don't yeah. like to do fun, exciting, weird things. And it was a crazy thing for sure. It was just a bonkers move on Paul Holmgren's part. And Shea Weber signed until the year 2026, mind you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, exactly. if the flyers make that deal, right. If that goes through, you could have had, you know, at one point, like, Shea Weber could have led that defense, and that was what the Flyers really needed before Provorov came up, was that number one defenseman. And I don't know how much better those teams would have been, but you, you're you a little more straightforward about this than I am. I'm intrigued by this uh, just because I really think that changes <laughs> the entire trajectory of the team in the short term there. Yeah, yeah. No, it, no, it does. I'm not writing it off like it's not worth discussing. I'm just like, to me... There's no, I just don't want any. He's starting to turn around now, but he's starting to turn around now. That thing was signed in 2012. There were a couple of years there where there was no fucking way that, like, when that trade was made in 2016 between him and uh, Subban, it was a joke then. And then it was a joke a couple of years after that. And I think he went like almost a whole calendar year without playing uh, two years ago. So, like, he, it wasn't like a smooth sailing, like, oh, well, we could be here right now. It was a, Again, go back to at the time, like the Flyers were pretty strapped for money at the time without him on the, the con on the books. So you add him onto a salary cap, then they have to lose talent maybe on the rest of the defense or up front. So then it's gotta be Weber carrying uh Briz Golf and other people like up front, uh, while you lose out on Sandheim and Provorov. Like that alone, that the first round picks for Sandheim and Provorov don't make me regret the Flyers not getting Weber at all. Because I'd rather be in the Flyers position with Provorov and Sandheim right now going forward than the Canadians are with Weber going forward. Because I don't, I don't know. I don't think the Canadians are, they're not really knocking on competing. Uh, they might be in a little bit, but I think when it gets down in the next couple of years here, he's going to start falling off again like i think this is this nice little pushback of their like relevancy and like he's going to be good for a little bit of time but that contract is eventually going to bite them in the ass oh and sure I, sure yeah and like what where the flyers are now you can't look at you can't look at where the flyers are now and say that like drafting developing hasn't put them where they are right now for rough and this one of the best defensive pairs around the league this year and travis Anaheim was a pretty damn good three it, Myers has been up and down, but his his play, his impact on the team has been smoothed out by like Sanheim being there. So I think these two in the top four for the last couple of years in the future, I give up for any of those. Like I don't think going back. Of course, I made this long winded answer. You're, going you're really going time. on on this one. You like <laughs> yeah, because I I didn't think about it. You're, you're very you feel very strongly on this uh, one. I was not expecting the strong the, opinion here. Yeah, the Weber one. <laughs> the Weber one is like a. The team would have lost a lot of talent because of this cap hit, and I don't know if he would have made up for it. Like, I could see a way where that team could be interesting, and, like, they, he could cause... Like, he could have just carried that 
defense is a one-man operation. Maybe not as good as Pronger, but I could see him doing that, but I yeah. don't think it would have equated to anything. Like, it would have been them know. getting I mean, to the second round. I don't yeah. know if he would have put them over the top in any of those seasons. But sometimes like, that big defenseman, evidence, that number one defenseman, can be what you need in the playoffs to get you through over the hump. And you still would have had a little bit of chemo, Timo. You would have had a little bit. Ghost come up at Coburn. eventually. And Coburn. So there, it wasn't all trash on the defense, no, and right. you might have had yeah, less trash back it. there. Like you might have never had Nick Schultz or anything like that. No, yeah, and then, no, I think it's a little more interesting too, than like, you. I think you are. I, no, you're right. I, I just think they would have had more of a chance to maybe jump in and and win it. Then I don't know. I don't yeah. think they would have been as close as they needed to be, but it, it would have made the team significantly better. But ultimately because they got Proveroff in Sandheim, it, it does seem to have worked out for the Flyers much better. And again, that cap hit goes until the year 2026, which is yeah. bonkers. So again, like, uh, you know, like he's having a nice resurgence and everything. And really I'm not, I think he played, I think he's averaging like 26 minutes a night. And like all of his numbers are great. And he is like, it's Shea Weber, you know, he's playing defense, but again, yeah, he's how fucking old. And we got six more seasons of this. So like, I don't know if that end's going to hold up, but, to your point, though, that is a, like, looking back on those defenses, that was, their big problem was Tiemann and Coburn were still fine. They were just playing way up. Like, Coburn was a two, and people would have been, people would still probably would have been upset with him if he was, like, a four on that defense. That's, like, with how much he was being used. So, if you get Adam Weber, and then everybody gets moved down a little bit, okay. I can actually, that's an actually a fair argument. I could see them being a little more competitive, but, like, I don't know. I just... I, you know, man, I'm a draft guy. So the four first round picks and knowing what two of them turn out to be, I think, I think I'm still going to go this way. And because I just, we'll we'll talk about this question in like two or three years. I want to see. I will say though, I was very disappointed yeah. this didn't happen at the time because I thought Shea Weber oh, would have been time, such a perfect Flyers defenseman, and especially coming yeah. off an era where Chris Pronger was so pivotal to that team and and such a force. Yeah. I wanted that and so bad because. Yeah. Getting a big defenseman that can also move and be smart is is huge and not something you're you're increasingly seeing this less in today's NHL. And it's it's exciting. It, it's it it really excites the caveman part of my brain that watches hockey and enjoys it, which the caveman yeah, part of my brain the... is is not really that satisfied these days. I love hockey and I love the modern game and I'm glad less guys are getting hurt off of those kind of players, but you know, man, I really enjoyed a, a good SmackDown, a good giant hit from a defenseman. Uh, and Shea Weber would have been great in orange and black, but again, the deal was crazy. I, you know, I really do feel like that is a huge problem with the NHL right now. It's not the, I don't want to say it needs violence. Kind of needs violence. Though. It needs something that makes you hate the other fucking team. Cause that's what also drew me into it. Like when I, when we're doing the Why I Hate These Team articles last week, uh, yeah, last week, two weeks ago now, whatever. Uh, and I did the one about the Leafs. I found a clip of Ty Domi and Sam McCarthy talking shit in like the 99 playoffs. And it was just before a faceoff, and it was just them talking a lot of shit. And then McCarthy swinging out to the side and like shaking his gloves, like, let's fight. And then Ty Domi just giving them like, like clapping his fingers, like, yeah, keep talking. And like, it was just three minutes before a faceoff, they're just yelling at each other. And then they start skating around the ice and McCarthy's doing like the chicken arms to like let him know he's being, you know, being a wuss about it. And it's just like, that doesn't, it's just not in the game anymore. No, the like, hate they just, isn't there. There's no like reason to, to hate. 
like the hate is what made it so fucking good and like the playoffs are i still love the playoffs and it's a lot more intense than the playoffs but i want to know these teams fucking hate each other yeah. <laughs> i just want to see like i, I just want to see some fighting i want to see some hits i want to see guys get in each other's faces i don't know what i wanted to see some intensity and i feel like it the game's got to get safer. I get that, but I wish there were just ways it could still be in your face, like Red Wings, Abs, Flyers, Penguins, rivalry level of intensity is all. And I feel like that is, yeah, that does. That, that was nice about the lower scoring era that we grew up in compared to what's going on now. I guess. Well, the like, thing about the lower scoring like, era was like the guys. There was more violence to compensate for the lower scoring you know there was yeah, bigger yeah. hits and more scrappy and sometimes there's insane violence yeah, insane like, no, violence like, like with a not, lot of filthy like plays we need like, more marty McSorley. <laughs> well the problem was you had marty mcsorley you had scott stevens you had uh darian yeah. hatcher guys who would just be filthy filthy players yeah oh my god well yeah in the clip of hatcher when he uh knocks out Crosby's teeth and he just drags him like all like his stick off his body or whatever afterwards like there, I don't feel like that stuff hasn't been the hit he did on Jeremy Roenick back in the day where he uh, I believe dislocated oh, his jaw broke his... yeah way back oh my god yeah I'm like <laughs> I guess like see that stuff is like I, I'm, I don't care I'll always say I want that stuff back but like you know that I get it. I'm not saying I don't understand why the game has changed, but fuck the man. caveman that part of your brain, you know, craves that violence. Yeah, just miss it. Yeah, like when I became used to it. Yeah, same with football. It's like every big hit now is black. We just sound like old men now. You're like that, Where's that's what the I hitting believe. in the game? Yeah. <laughs> no, but I know it's a better game these without it, and I'm glad guys are healthier. But <laughs> there's just a small part of yeah. me that that does crave that 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 madness. A little bit of that violence. Yeah, a little bit of that. Fuck you. Those little stand up and scream at somebody. Yeah. Um, let's see here. I'm trying to think of like one that go based off of uh, an older one now, but I mean these are all again some pretty good ones. I can't really think of another one. I was going to say, which would you fire Hextall earlier if it meant Hextall's tenure as GM went on longer? Uh, but I think that one, uh, that one, that one I had for Hextall, and then the other one I had for Hextall was, would you give up Ghost? Uh, crazy breakout season as a rookie for a shorter Hackstall tenure. So uh, I almost wonder if that's a better one with no Hackstall. Would you would you give up Ghost breakout year for no Dave Hackstall? Like the Flyers never, they never hire no Dave Hackstall. They go with like uh, an yeah, established I mean, I, NHL guy instead or something. I, I would. Well, I mean, I would. Well, see, they, well, I mean, they already hired Haxtell, though. Like, that was Drew, uh, Ghost, uh, big rookie season was Haxtell's first season. So it comes down to, like, my my point of view was uh, he has that, he just doesn't go nuts at the regular season. They don't make the playoffs. And then they miss the postseason the next season, and the Haxtell may already be on the outs two seasons in. I think, I think Ghost single handedly kept Haxtell around longer because he had that fucking. What was it? He won his uh, rookie year. 17 goals, 46 points in 64 games, including a 15-game point streak and four overtime goals. Like, they needed that to squeak into the postseason. So I think if Haxtell doesn't get the help of that his first year, I think he's gone after 2016-17. And then there's a lot of things that are kind of solved over 2017-18. 18-19, that could make even uh, this team better. Okay. I guess my confusion was there wasn't always a correlation on the ones we were doing. 
But I mean, fuck if uh, I don't know. He, I don't think he's if, getting fired after one year if Ghost doesn't necessarily go crazy. Oh no, 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 not once. Yeah, but I'm saying too, if he misses the postseason 2016-17, so then you have two seasons where it was he missed the playoffs in 2016-17 was bad. So that might. Although I don't know, Hextall was pretty attached to Hextall to an alarming extent. So I think it would have felt more like I a think, rebuild if if that had been. Yeah, you know, yeah, and that might have helped. I guess if yeah, Ghost does not, if he doesn't have that biggest season too, that kind of does help Hexels. I think Hexels thing is just messaging. Yeah, like I don't think we we saw how everybody reacted with the Sixers and saying, yeah, we're gonna suck and rebuild. If you if you commit to one or the other, I think the city. I don't know. We've already talked about that. Uh, but, see, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, yeah, we've already, we've already you, gone. It through. doesn't matter if you commit or not. If you're not winning, people are going to get mad regardless. Yeah, people are going to get mad. Yeah, so that is true. I mean, um, half the city, if not more, hated the Sixers for doing the process. I understood. The a lot of people understood the process, but a lot of people yeah. did There's not understand the process. Vehemently hated the process. Like some people <laughs> still true. think of the name Sam Hinkie as a curse word in this city. Yeah, which is yeah, just something. I mean, there's a lot um, of guys. I mean, we've talked about Ron Hextall in regards to Ed Wade, who had built the Phillies up and then couldn't get them over the hump, so they brought in Pat Gillick, who was an experienced GM who did get the Phillies over the hump, did the moves to get them to win the World Series. Uh, the the Sixers were hoping that Brian Colangelo could fill that, and then he couldn't help but make a shitty secret Twitter accounts to spy on people. And then the flyers are hoping the Chucky two traits, Chuck Fletcher can be that guy. And so far seems to be doing the Pat Gill. Oh, just great, but uh, I'll knock on wood there and hope yeah, we gotta, that we gotta keeps on keeping on. Flyers, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's, I... it's a tough one, uh, frankly, but I think most people would probably do whatever they could to, to shorten Dave Axtell stay. Yeah. So I, no, I, I agree with that, too. I think uh, the big one I was looking, like, the main one I want to talk about was the Hextall getting fired, like, before Hextall, I guess, like, with whatever timeline that would be. And I was looking at the summer of 2018, so that would have been, I mean, that would have been right before he got fired, pretty much. He got fired in the early part of 2018-19. That was after he got absolutely fucking abused by the Penguins in that playoff series. His second playoff series after the Caps abused him in 2016. So, like, there was more proof of him to go then. And the hires in 2018, uh, if I was looking back, right, they Rob Brendamore, Barry Trotz, Jim Montgomery, David Quinn, Todd Reed, and Bill Peters. Now, obviously, some of those names you don't want. But the first couple, Brendamore, Barry Trotz, and Jim Montgomery were all guys that, I mean, if they were behind the bench with Hextall, I don't know if it would have been the worst timeline. But I think I agree with you. That I think he is going to be the Edway, though. I think he's going to be the guy that pushed all the buttons beforehand, and then somebody else comes in and knows how to finish off the job. And I think Fletcher is looking like he's going to be that guy. Uh, when Fletcher was first hired, I was a little more worried they were going to do more reactionary running and gunning like they did in 2013 14 and just try and make sure they got a playoff spot again. So now that I see that's not the case, and he actually knows how to evaluate talent at the NHL level, I think the players are set up. I really think the players are kind of set up to be pretty scared for the next couple of years here with the players they have, the young players they have in the product, like in the pipeline, and everything compared with 
Fletcher's ability to. If Fletcher hasn't been, I mean, his drafting's been pretty damn good so far as well. I mean, there's only one draft, but York, Brink, and fucking Mason Millman look pretty good. And that was, he has one draft to his team. So, uh, yeah. Get, yeah, I agree. Get Hacks out of the fucking building now. <laughs> that might be the third. So, uh, whichever one that would be. I, was, I don't have any. Uh, what were the other ones? I had another Hacksaw one here, I think. Nah. Oh, I, I guess another one I could ask you just uh, kind of related to everything we've been talking about, but not in the last couple minutes here. Uh, would you trade? And this might be. How long have we gone? That's like one of the last ones, too. <laughs> I don't think we've gotten through most of them now. Yeah. Uh, okay. So would you give up Drew's game winning shootout goal? in 2010 against the Rangers to secure a playoff spot. Uh, would you give that up if it means that the Flyers get win game six and game seven of 2004 against the Lightning to give them an appearance in the 2004 Stanley Cup final? Like, would you give up the entire 2010 Stanley Cup run for the Flyers and Flames in 2004? Um... Again, yes. again, it comes down to Flyers. Would you trade Flyers memories for a chance at a cup? Yeah. Shockingly, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a tough one because you're giving up a cup run for a slightly better chance at a cup. And it's no guarantee they would have beaten the Flames. Jerome Ginla was unbelievable that year. But, yeah, he was all right at Hockey Hall of Famer. Uh, yeah, I, I, think was... I, I think I would go with that just because I thought that 4 team was really good and and could have won but and the main problem with the 09 team is that they did eke in and they really fought the blackhawks hard but man the blackhawks were just too freaking good they really were Blackhawks were too good and if you really and their biggest thing was they had bufflin as their their pronger uh you know they're and he was playing forward yeah, he was four that fucking like he was that, the one that, guy that who could take on Pronger, weird. and Pronger hadn't found somebody who could really take him on in that playoff run to that point. Yeah, yeah. When you look back, yeah, honestly, if you look back at that 2010 Blackhawks team, like I think Brian Campbell's on the third pair. So, like, what, like, what are we? How is that even a six-game series? Like, when you think about it, and like when you look up front, just fucking. I think Sharp is on like the third line in that series too. So they were just absolutely fucking loaded with talent. But also, like, if you look objectively at that. I think you can make a pretty good case that 2014 was more talented just because the Flyers 2010 team got a few more breaks to get to the Stanley Cup final. But like 2014, there were a bunch of injuries. Uh, they had that hard series against the Leafs that they won in six. Um, I know the Devils were winding down, but they had rolled over the Devils in that series too without Scott Stevens. Uh, and I think the, yeah, the Flames would have been an easier opponent than the, the 2010 Blackhawks. So I think, uh, I, I think I would. Like, I really, I just, my, I think what we're just saying here is, if you guys know how to experience other timelines, you can see if the Flyers won the Cups or not, just let us know. Because, like, <laughs> we're willing to give it all up just to see the Flyers do it once. So, you know anything about, you know, going back in time, traveling history, all that kind of shit, you let us know. Again, four months in the, in the quarantine, so, so let's get it figured out here. Are we, we're still under quarantine, technically, right? We we're are supposed to be inside. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, most okay. people won't tell you that, but that's. Uh, I don't know anymore. True. Like, I just, yeah, okay, yeah, I just. Okay. I, Wear I'm your mask, people. Wear your mask. Inside. All right, I got, I got another one for you. I got a throwback one here. Bring it on. All right. 
Would you rather the no. Flyers had drafted Yarmir Yager or <laughs> the Flyers made the Leclerc and Desjardins trade for So the Flyers, Ooh. for those who aren't familiar, had a chance to draft Yarmir Yager back in the early 90s, but they decided Mike Ricci was the guy instead because as we, we mentioned on the Fly Purple Under Quarantine we did with Charlie O'Connor, uh, the Flyers were convinced Mike Ricci was the next Bobby Clark. So they went with him. Disagree on how those careers panned out. You know, there's not a clear side no one. But that's but, what yeah. the scouts had thoroughly believed going into it. <laughs> and they didn't draft Yarmir Yager. It would go on to be one of the greatest NHLers of all time. Uh, yeah, he was, yeah. But so a, a pivotal move, though, for the Flyers to, to bounce back into relevancy and become one of the, the good, really good teams in the late 90s was... A trade they made where they sent Mark Recchi to Montreal and they received John LeClaire and Eric Desjardins. And as we all know, John LeClaire would become one of the best goal scorers in Flyers history and Eric Desjardins, one of the really, really great, solid defensemen in Flyers history. And I don't think those Flyers teams are as com- nearly as competitive if they don't have those two players. Uh, but if they have Yarmir Yager instead, that number one keeps the Penguins from probably winning two cups in the early 90s. Like, if the Penguins end up with Mike Ricci instead of Yarmir Yager, they might still win some cups, but, mm. you know, probably not. But if Yager's playing with, let's say the Flyers still make the Lindros trade and Yager's playing with Lindros. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about that. But now, at the same time, we do know how it worked out with Leclerc and Desjardins, and those guys were really great Flyers. Now, if I can, would you rather, your own would you rather to make this a whole fucking inception kind of thing. Um, do the Flyers still make that Leclerc Desjardins trade if uh, they have Forsberg instead of Lindros? I absolutely... Oh, hmm, that's interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it, Steven? Yeah. Big but we didn't, we didn't resolve you. mine first, though. Hmm? Yeah, we did not, but I'm going to pretend like it is the person who... I'll figure it out. Is it too impossible? Think... It's too impossible. No, I would say... Uh, I mean, it's hard to say you don't want Yager. Like, it's... And, like, the idea of... Like, do you... I guess the question is, like, do you think the Flyers, if they had Yager... Because they still went for it with Ricci. Like, Yager probably had to be part of the deal for Lindros, then. Wouldn't that be the situation? So, if Yager ends up being part of the deal for Lindros, Forsberg likely isn't part of it. So then you end up with Lindros and Forsberg anyway. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Yeah, in which case... But maybe... but So you end up with, like, if they draft Yager, you probably end up with either... Well, and the thing is, did Yager play right away when he, he got drafted? I I believe he did. I, I think he did, because the... So what if Yager doesn't put the, the Flyers in the position to, to be as high up in the draft as they were? When they drafted Lindros. Oh, yeah, that'd be the thing. John LeClaire is a, a top five all-time flyer for me, too. So it is definitely hard to say I would not have drafted or traded for John LeClaire. Uh, I really yeah, like yeah. Mark Recchi, too, though. So if they have, like, Yarmir, Yager, Recchi, let's say they get Lindros still. Man, that's a that's a team. But then Desjardins isn't back there on Pretty defense, much. and who the hell plays defense for the Flyers? Yeah. Pretty much... I think the other thing we're paying here is like 
there's so many ways it could have just worked out for the Flyers in the 90s. <laughs> and then it just didn't. Like, they could have drafted Yager and had a couple of these other, like, monsters and gone on to win a cup somewhere along the line there. And it just didn't. Like, it all just fell apart. But, uh, yeah, besides that depressing point, I think, uh, I, I think, I mean, fuck. The, the thing with Yager is, like, if he's going to stay here for a bunch of years as a flyer. I'm not sure he would have worked out here. It's the same yeah, thing as Forsberg because 90s yeah. Flyers fans wanted the same feel. And not necessarily the fans, but the front office was, you know, we, we've talked about it. They're not the most European-centric. They didn't really like Europe. Yeah. It's not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. But back then, the Flyers yeah. were all about, like, you know, still having those tough and gritty North North American players. I mean, the mascot mm-hmm. is named Gritty for a reason. Because it's still talked about as the number one flyer's trait. Yeah. Oh, when Pro was selected in 2015, there was a, there was a non-zero part of me that was happy that they didn't gloss over him for Lawson Kraus because you know Pro was not North American. Um, and yeah, that is a factor to it. I guess for me that it comes down to, as is usual as a Flyers fan, how many cups does that take away from the Penguins if Yager isn't there? I'd like, say at Yager's least one. Not a part of those cups, yeah. I mean, I don't think they went back. There's they win maybe good. one of those two, but I don't think they went two. I mean, they still got Lemieux. They still got Francis. Like, they still, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, Trache was still a part. I don't know. This Penguin teams are still loaded. Oh, for but, sure. But, I mean, I'm just yeah, going to go ahead and pull up his, his stats. And this is a long stats page to scroll through. Because it's oh, many, yeah, it's many it years. So it's going to take me a minute. It's been a minute. But like, Yager, like, especially in the, the 92, 91-92 run, had 24 points in 21 games. Yeah, so that's a, so big, that's a big difference maker in the second run. The first huge. run, 13 points. Not a huge deal. But yeah, if you take away 11 it, goals and 13 assists from the Penguins in the 91-92 run, you might be taking a cup away from them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Paul Caulfield's on that fucking team, too. And Mark Ricky was on that team. They won those teams. Lemieux, Recky, Kevin Stevens, Larry Murphy, Joe Mullen, Ron Francis, Yager, Coffey. Yeah, Yager played in his. Yeah, uh, Yager played the year after he was drafted, too, because he was in the Stanley Cup final. I personally 13 think. 13 points in 24 games. That's a very big no, what if. Like, point. if the Flyers had drafted Yager, you know, that's, that's a big what if. And. But we also yeah. know John LeClaire, again, consistent 50-goal scorer for the Flyers, one of the great all-time Flyers goal scorers. Yeah, no. And it's hard to say. And the thing is, let's talk about the team fit, right? John LeClaire, Johnny right. Vermont is such a consummate flyer, not a flashy guy at all. Yager would have conflicted with the media here, would have been a big story. Like, he ended up coming in at exactly the right time for his fit in Philadelphia, where the attitudes weren't mm-hmm. the same, and he was a lot of fun, and we all loved him. Yeah. But, I mean, I think he would have been fantastic here. He would have been phenomenal. And, yeah, that's something I'd love to change. But uh, if it's an either-or, if it's a, you know, you have to choose one, I guess I'm going very hesitantly with LeClaire and Desjardins just based on fit and 90s attitudes. But... My God, having him in orange and black back then would have been phenomenal. <laughs> Especially if he played with yeah. either Forsberg or well, Ross. So but my again, question maybe, they, maybe he plays them out of that 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 spot in the draft because uh, they're better team yeah. with him immediately. Who knows? That is that's a fair point. I was gonna say too though, if 
Leclerc comes here and he's on a line with Lindros, does he have 50 goals a year? I know Viagra was a pretty damn good playmaker too, but I feel like being on the same line, um, I feel like Lindros is playing sorry, helped set up Leclerc as well. I don't know how much. I assume Leclerc, Leclerc was still put on some fucking goals, but I'm saying is that a factor to it too? I mean, Yager like scored a shit ton of points, which, you know, people did often consider him like a selfish and I'm going to using air quotes that nobody can see here, a selfish player yeah. for that. I mean, this dude scored 149 points in 95, 96. That's, I read that right. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, no, it was 102 it was, it was in 97, 98, 127 in 98, 99, 121 in 01, in 2001, 123 in 05, 06. Like, yeah. So you, and I, I guess, yeah, I guess my angle there was the chemistry thing, but that uh, he probably would have figured out chemistry with Leclerc. It wouldn't have been an issue. But like, I guess, yeah, that's a big question. Is like, do they still make that trade if they have Yager? Probably not and because instead of just because yeah. they they were more center focused and and focused on getting people to play with Lindros at the time. I would. But if it's Lindros in there, they don't have no need for it. Because, like, if you're trading Mike Ricci to get Eric Lindros, that's an obvious upgrade. Yeah, nobody's fucking questioning that, yeah. Um. Because he was was a key piece. I don't think Yager would have been even remotely involved in Lindros' trade. But if they were still in the position to get Forsberg, he might. A lot of moving parts on this. Would you have rather had the Flyers more competitive in the early 90s with Yaramir Yager and maybe not, you know, getting certain domino parts after that? Or would you rather have what we have, know what we know, and have John LeClaire and Eric Desjardins? I would, I would take the chance on Yager, I think. All right. I mean, I guess I'll take that gamble to see because knowing that he just stopped playing hockey like a week ago, like I would theoretically, there's a chance that he does survive all that bullshit in the '90s, which even the rugged guys we liked, like Lindros, so, so who would have you thought fit into the mold of the player that we would have liked got chewed up and spit out like maybe Yager makes it through that and he's just here for two decades and then I don't know like that's the way I look at it from that angle but I did fucking love John LeClaire and I, I did like Eric Desjardins a lot so it's a, it's a tough one but I would say I don't know I wouldn't mind seeing two decades of Yager here I really don't know if he would have made it through I feel like Clark would have killed him at some point in time Oh, uh, undoubtedly. He would have pulled out Yager's hair at some point in time. There would have been some kind of crazy development where, like, Clark... He would have cut it. He would have just, like, walked in and gotten, like, a a razor and just, like, cut it, and and he would have just immediately demanded a trade. Yeah, or, like, Yager, he'd have one player who didn't backcheck hard enough, and Clark would say something about, like, he's trying to find his curling iron. There'd be some kind of dumb joke in there where, like, it would just... Yeah, Clark would have fucked it up somehow, I think. I don't know. It would have been... So, yeah, but still sticking with Yager. I'm going to go with Yager in this timeline. Because, fuck it, Yager did. I mean, he, he was he did handle the league for the, yep. there for a while. The Yager Forsberg um, Flyers. Boy. Boy. And two of the, but, again, they, he probably plays too well with, you know, whoever they get. To, uh. If there is some timeline where just, and I don't even care what the production is, just the puck possession of, like, rookie Claude Giroux, and aging uh, Forsberg and Yager all on the ice at the same time. There, there, no other team will get the fucking puck. It would just be them 
like pass the puck around the offensive zone the entire time. <laughs> They keep away for like 60 minutes. I could watch that one Forsberg shift where he just like circles the entire offensive zone like over and over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Old Forsberg highlights are. There is a goal he had against the Panthers that I still saw it years ago, and I'm going to look for it like now tonight. But he – I it's no wonder his ankle went out on him. He used to take so many hits and just stand still with like his feet on aqua position just to hold the puck and just like – go through it and then dance through more people. I would have loved to have seen him in this in this era where the game's a lot more free and like open. Because he would be able to do that and still plow through it. I feel like he'd just be like a slower version of a Vetchkin <laughs> to an extent. But but yeah that was it. That's I'm done rambling. That's uh this is that's our would would you rather unless you got another one lined up, Steve. You came up with some I mean I came in with some pretty Poorly prepared ones, and you came in off the fly with a lot better ones. I, uh, <laughs> I was going off of, I was like thinking too much of like, worry too much about timelines and it making sense, but I like the, uh, oh, you got to think about it. Just yeah, taking I mean, the big gotta, swings. That's what ta- yeah, discussions like, yeah. are about, pal. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, did we ever get, oh yeah, you said that you would take the 2004 Stanley Cup final again. About the, uh, giving back Drew's game winner in the shootout for a chance in 2004. That one, and then, um, yeah, we don't need to do the Patrick Kane one. Let's get out of here. No, I don't want to talk about him. <laughs> no, I don't want to do that either. Yeah. Gross, gross man. Don't need to talk gross about man. him. Yeah. Let's talk about Nick Grossman, though, for, for at least 25 minutes. Oh, yeah. wait, Would you rather nice Nick Grossman or Nikolai Zherdev? <laughs> no. Jesus Christ. Zherdev. <laughs> That's the next fuck. It's just Would You Rather Shady Player Edition. I'm in for that. If we do another fuck, which okay, you know what? I'm in. I'm in for that. Uh, It's just impossible shit. We we even could make this. Would you rather a uh, a weekly fly purpley segment where we just come in with with one for each other, and it's just increasingly (laughs) shitty players. Uh, yeah. Start out mediocre uh, and just work our way. You know, like we start out with like a Jason Smith or uh, somebody else equally mediocre. And then just keep working our way down the list until we're talking about Nick Grossman. Okay. <laughs> it just all works back to being a slam for Nick Grossman. Yeah, he kept that hit, that extra N in his name hidden for so long. And he was also, people forget to talk about this. He was fucking bad at hockey. Like, dude, I, don't, I don't think people forget to hockey. talk about it. I, yeah, it's just they don't want to talk about. It. I get that, but I think we as a society need to talk about. It. He was bad. Do we need to talk uh, about. It? I think we all know. Man was slow. Like to just hit the glass now when it came to clearing the puck. I mean, he just wasn't good. Yep, not so good at I'll all. Leave it at that. Yep, not yep, not, not good. Yeah, not gonna uh, do it, folks. That's all we got. Not gonna if, do it, folks. If you have any feedback for us, any what ifs you want to throw at us. The best place to reach us is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca. You can reach Craig at Sports Are Bad. I I am unsure on if we are doing a another podcast this week. I am going to take a little vacation time, a little it. me time. Craig might be doing a little Q and A for you folks. There you go. I was going to say I might be doing a Q and A later in the week. Uh, Steve's. Yeah, Steve's got a half-ass it. Uh, he said he's getting tired of the pod. He's going to mail it in. So I'm going to keep the pod going, though, because I like our fans. And uh, I want to, uh, you know, the purpose is, uh, is strong right now, I think. I don't know. 
and we're going to keep that going. And like I said, look out for the articles I got. Uh, one about the black cap for the team for the next couple of years, and then what the Freeman signing means, and then I will get into uh, rookie like prospect reports, uh, players eligible in the 2020 NHL draft, and I'll look at them and look at the type of game they play and break down their highlights and all that kind of stuff. And I'm also going to do that for Flyers prospects, and then also look at the Flyers round-robin series against the other teams coming up. And that'll come down the next couple of weeks or so before the actual game start up. And uh, yes, yeah, since this is our last buck, uh, look for the potential. Look, look for the forecast next week. Yeah, Flyers forecast next. The, Flyers forecast will definitely go down next week. The plan is to pivot back to the Flyers forecast and uh, give you your your weekly look ahead for the the Flyers as they enter oh, the bubble and they take on yeah. the other twenty three teams for NHL domination. Even though they will definitely not be playing <laughs> twenty three teams. <laughs> yeah that is true they will not be they will not be maybe uh, maybe like sure five six seven we'll see but you know yeah, we'll see there's a lot that we're gonna see about but be on the lookout for force purbly <laughs> as craig answers your questions later this week you can reach me at fly purbly or at Esteban. but for your hockey needs make it fly purbly follow bsh radio follow broad street hockey and again, apologies if we don't do another one this week, but sorry, not sorry, in the words of the famed poet Cole Beasley, because oh, I needs me some vacation time. I've been cooped up in this house too mm. long, and as you know from listening to Fuck Every Week, I, I'm losing it. I'm completely You're, lost you it. I'm have 80 stinks to stir crazy. You're losing your mind right <laughs> 80 now. 80 stinks. There we go. <laughs> oh, I'll take a drink to that. Folks, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Thank you for spending your quarantine time with us. And again, I don't want this to be the last fuck, but I'd also really love this to be the last fuck. Oh, yeah, you guys know what we're saying. You know, yeah, we saying. in it's theory hope English that words that that all make sense together. Yeah. 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 You're getting senses. Yeah. yeah. Well, regardless, <laughs> thank you for listening. And until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Hello everybody, this is Fly Purbly. It is a podcast about hockey, mostly the Flyers, but also other hockey things, like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey. Steve, but not Steve Hartnell and Craig. But not Craig Ruby. No, this isn't all those hockey guys. These are the guys who watch the hockey sport. Yeah!